You're listening to County Conversations, a podcast brought to you by the New York State Association of Counties. Today, we're going to be discussing mental health and the continuing impact of the COVID-19 pandemic, or a pandemic within the pandemic. I'm Ryan Gregoire, NYSAC's Legislative Director. We are joined today by Kathy Coons, Commissioner of Mental Health in Rensselaer County and past president of the Conference of Local Mental Hygiene Directors. Thank you for taking the time, Kathy, to have this conversation with us today. Thank you for having me, Ryan. Great. So, Kathy, maybe for our listeners um, who are tuning in, right, to this podcast, who may be reading the NISAC magazine or soon to be reading the NISAC magazine, which this issue focuses on addressing mental health concerns in the community and how counties are responding to those concerns. Maybe you can tell our listeners a little bit about what's been going on in Rensselaer County for the last uh, two and a half years now, um, since the pandemic started. What have you seen in your county and uh, what are you doing to, to tackle some of these mental health issues? Thank you, Ryan. Here in Rensselaer County, uh, you know, we're really no different than any other county in New York State that's experiencing an escalation of behavioral health issues. So I would say that it's not just a, uh, limited to mental health, but also addiction. Uh, so, you know, we all know that through the pandemic, there was increased isolation, there were increased stressors for people um, needing to work at home. Um, limiting contact with other individuals. Uh, Children and youth were home from school and living with their families uh, 24-7. A lot of people have lost their social supports. And we all, you know, human beings are social beings. We need to be linked with one another. And um, that contributes to us thriving emotionally and physically. And that was interrupted during the pandemic. Also, you know, we were faced uh, as a society with our own mortality and uh, the fact that, you know, we don't have control over this. Um, And that has a significant impact on people. Uh, Coinciding with the pandemic, there were other issues that were happening with uh, some of the protests that had occurred uh, related to the tragic death of uh, George Floyd, um, that created another form of social disruption for people. And um, so this disruption has um, taken its toll. Um, And we're seeing escalating crime uh, here in the capital region with more um, shootings and um, in our cities. Uh, all of this contributes to people feeling unsafe uh, and insecure in their environments. Um, and I think that contributes to um, mental health issues. And uh, people may have had pre-existing mental health or addiction issues prior to the pandemic that have been exacerbated by these uh, conditions, um, or they may just be um, developing symptoms at this point um, because of the stress that's going on and the disruption. Um, We're also seeing now with the economy um, being, um, well, (laughs) a new stressor for everyone, 
where the cost of everything is driving up. So people who were living financially uh, on the edge, uh, having difficulty in um, paying the rent or buying their food, um, they're going to experience greater stress related to that as well. So when you go, when people's basic needs are impacted and we all have a basic need to feel safe and secure, that will create a stress that can exacerbate uh, behavioral health conditions. So we here are seeing a high um, utilization of the crisis unit located here in our local hospital emergency room. Um, the, all of the hospitals in the capital region are exceedingly stressed in being able to meet the needs, um, very often maxing out their capacity in their crisis units that are located in their emergency rooms, frequently needing to go on diversion status um, and reroute individuals to other hospitals because there is no capacity in that hospital. And uh, that is something we are working on regionally here in the capital region um, uh, with all of our local hospitals coming together with the state office of mental health and trying to um, imagine a continuum of care that is not as hospital reliant to manage crises. So to build up mobile crisis capacity, um, to develop crisis residences to support adults, um, here in Rensselaer County, uh, we will have the reopening of the living room project, which is um, provided by RSS, a local uh, agency. And that living room will be located across from the street from the hospital. And actually it serves almost like a drop-in sort of a center to give adults with, who are experiencing mental health, emotional distress, a place to stop in and just regroup with other people um, and perhaps avoid the need to go to the crisis unit, but just get the support that they need for the time that they need it. So we are looking at a variety of ways to try to build up our uh, continuum of care and crisis services uh, to support the folks who are experiencing uh, acute um, symptoms in mental health. Yeah, you, you know, you, you touched on a lot of issues there, Kathy, um, a, a lot of innovative progress that's being done um, amongst all four or four core counties in the Capital District, but the broader Capital District as well. And, you know, th this is something that uh, counties across the state are experiencing with their hospitals looking for ER diversion programs, um, certainly the state is trying to stand up some new crisis uh, stability centers, or I can't remember the exact term they call them. Stabilization centers, yes. Stabilization centers. Um, and, you know, making some investments in, in mobile crisis response teams. What about, I'm, I'm curious to know what you're seeing um, with staffing for psychiatrists, psychologists, licensed master social workers, uh, professionals who work in mental health and substance abuse, are you um, seeing the same stress um, for those positions and the shortages that um, other medical fields are, are seeing as well right now? Thank you, Ryan. Yes, we are. Uh, so the, there are tremendous workforce issues. Um, 
right now, the State Office of Mental Health and uh, OASIS uh, are pushing into the communities wonderful uh, opportunities of new funding. We really not, this is sort of unprecedented. I think some of it's due to the federal dollars that have been flowing in. Um, unfortunately, there may not be the workforce to deliver those services, and that's the concern. Um, it used to be that we would talk about a shortage of psychiatrists, and um, we would try to figure out ways that we could compensate for that shortage, and there's certainly been an influx of psychiatric nurse practitioners, though not enough to help meet the need. Um, but now what we're seeing is shortage of licensed uh, clinical social workers, licensed master's social workers, uh, licensed mental health counselors. All of those are, are key uh, direct care positions that support the services that we deliver in our continuum of care. Um, there are not many folks going into uh, those fields of study. So that's one issue. Another issue is there's a, an increase in um, private uh, practices that provide telehealth uh, services only. So staff who have provided direct care in person to uh, individuals for some cases for many years have decided, you know, I think I'd like to work from my home and deliver telehealth services and that will be less stressful on me in my, my career and my life. So there are there is some attrition from the uh, programs that are already in existence of people going into the telehealth business. Um, and additionally, we have the baby boomers. Uh, I'm in the last year of the baby boomers um, who have been retiring. And there is not the workforce um, behind them in the generations that came after to fill those vacant positions. So we are really in, at a critical juncture. And, and I, think, I think that uh, the state is trying to come up with creative ways to um, uh, reinvigorate the workforce and incentivize uh, the workforce. But um, we are in a critical state right now with uh, not many graduates from these programs each academic year. Um, and uh, this new wave of private practices doing telehealth. And telehealth is not for everyone. Uh, many of the uh, consumers who we work with here in, in Rosso County um, don't benefit well from telehealth. They really need to be seen in person to be well sure. assessed. Sure. We'll be right back to the conversation after a brief message from our sponsor. For the past decade, PROACT has partnered with NYSAC to empower employers to get more out of their prescription drug benefit by providing innovative and customizable plans. PROACT is a New York-based company that is also the nation's only 100% employee-owned pharmacy benefit manager. Since 1999, they've been invested in helping their clients, including dozens of counties and local governments throughout the state, to deliver better prescription coverage at a competitive price. To learn more about solutions that tackle the increasing costs of prescription drugs, visit ProactRx.com. 
So given the workforce challenges, um, given this new money that's coming in from the federal government, the investments that OMH and OASIS are making at the local level, I'm going to put you on the spot here, Kathy, but do you have any ideas for next session, next budget, where uh, the state may want to make some policy changes, may want to create some new programs if that's necessary, or make some new investments? Um, It sounds like perhaps we ought to be looking at ways to incentivize people to come into these career fields. That's one thing that comes to my mind. Yes. Um, are there other ideas that, that you have that might help uh, with this issue? Well, Ryan, you know, um, historically, uh, folks have not gone into this field of work uh, to make money. <laughs> You're right. not going to make money being a social worker. Um, and you enter the field uh, at more of an altruistic uh, desire and a value to help other people and and support other people who are going through difficult times. And, um, you know, there are times when I uh, wonder if that value is being reinforced in our communities at Mm. all. (laughs) Sorry to say, (laughs) but um, I think also there's been such an emphasis in the last many years on building up students' uh, desire to go into the STEM fields Um, But there has not been any sort of a focus in the high school level uh, about going into professions where you serve other people. That has not been an emphasis. And when I say that, that goes beyond uh, behavioral health careers. That goes into uh, being in law enforcement or to uh, be first responders. Um, We we haven't really emphasized the value to serve others. And um, that's one area that I think uh, we as a society need to look at. Another uh, thing that would be great is wouldn't it be wonderful if we could say, you know, if you're interested in entering this profession, here are these scholarship opportunities for you. We're gonna make it uh, easier for you to be able to pay for your tuition so that you can enter this career field. You know, many of our staff uh, graduate with student loans and um, their salaries when they come out uh, of college are really not enough to be continuing to pay their student loan payments and be, and be able to survive um, with a car and a, a roof over their heads. Um, the pay rate is very low. Um, And very often that pay rate is dictated by the Medicaid reimbursement rates for programs. And the reimbursement rates in this area are not not as strong as they really need to be to support the services. So um, I think there needs to be a multi-pronged approach to this of uh, really um, encouraging young people to enter the profession, but the salaries need to be strong enough. I will never be able to compete against those STEM salaries, I don't think. Uh, That would be wonderful if we could. Um, But I'm pessimistic about that or realistic, I guess we could say. But um, it needs to be strong enough so that uh, people know that they can make a living and uh, pay off their loans or or not even pay the tuition to have a 100% scholarship to enter this, this profession. 
um, because without these people, we're going to continue to have um, folks in our community with uh, behavioral health issues and not have the professionals we need to provide the care. Yeah, and and you know I couldn't agree more with you, Kathy. This you know you and I and and the folks who are listening to this podcast, we all went into public service for that altruistic um, mentality. But I would agree from you know, and I've been out of school for a while now, but um, there was not that emphasis placed uh, in our secondary education programs. It really was focused on some of these other careers, and now. The, the trail end of that, so to speak, is this lack of uh, students entering these career fields. Um, so I do think, I agree with you, I do think there's an opportunity to really make some investments uh, to provide prospective students with, um, you know, some, some substantial opportunities to make, it, to make it work. Because, again, the public service, uh, the public sector traditionally does not pay um, nearly as much as the private sector, but we have the benefit of being able to help other people and our private sector peers don't necessarily always have that same kind of benefit. So um, I thank you for some of those recommendations. I'm going to take that back and, and work with my colleagues at at the Conference of Local Mental Hygiene Directors to see if we can advocate for some of that next year. Um, you know, in, in thinking about where the mental health um, crisis or situation goes in the next couple of years. You know, assuming the pandemic continues to play out where we have these sub-variants popping up, um, you have spikes throughout the year. Yes, the vaccines and the boosters are helping individuals um, to not enter the ER as much, you know, preventing that ER situation. We do have therapeutics and treatments to help when you do become infected now. But assuming there's a new normal that COVID is here to stay, um, and, and there's always going to be some new sub-variant popping up, how do we as a society, and I think you touched upon this a little bit, but how do we look to adjust to this new reality? You know, I, I think of my own family here, um, my wife and I both have diagnosed mental health uh, conditions, which I'm not afraid to talk about. Um, enough of the stigma, right? I think a lot of us suffer from something. And yes, we're being treated for it. And I'm able to be a high-functioning adult, as, as is she. Um, but, you know, we, we have a young family now uh, that, you know, we're, we're worried about our son and what all of these societal impacts uh, not only the economy, but COVID has had on mental health um, crises for, for individuals. But, and, and it's not only this field, but, but you know, you have a lack of folks entering um, the childcare field. There's a huge uh, lack of capacity in, in the childcare network. The public school teachers are under an enormous amount of pressure because, again, there's been a lot of, of the baby boomer generation that's retired, not necessarily have backfilled some of those jobs. And they're dealing with the mental health um, situation of their students, which for a lot of these young kids, they haven't known anything else in their life other than living in, in this world of COVID. 
So I, I think of all of these things as an interconnected web and the pressure that's being placed on us as individuals, but also our county leaders who are trying to help move their community in a positive direction. You know, that's, that's an enormous amount of professional stress that's placed on all of you as well. So how do we, are there strategies, are there techniques, are there suggestions that you have both for county leaders in their profession, but also as for all of us as individuals? How do we take a step back and uh, take a breath and, and just realize that, you know, we're all in this together and how do we, how do we, I guess, as county leaders um, continue to provide high service, you know, high excellence service to our residents while also recognizing that our employees and us, you know, we're, we're facing the same stress as the general public. Okay. Well, Ryan, I uh, recently was advocating with some folks at the State Office of Mental Health about uh, really a need to take a public health prevention approach to build uh, increase emotional wellness across all age groups in our, in our communities. Um, I think that we as a society have not put a strong emphasis on emotional wellness, how to be well emotionally. We certainly have put a greater emphasis on the physical wellness and preventive care, right? For physical health, but we don't talk about preventive care related to mental health. Um, and how could we as a, a state or even as counties come together to offer um, a public health campaign related to how to be emotionally well? And to start to talk with people about uh, healthy coping mechanisms, how to foster that in yourself and your families. Um, you know, I myself, have uh, suffered with depression uh, throughout my life. And I have had to pay attention to how to be well, how to be emotionally well, or I wouldn't be able to function in my daily job and, and obligations. So, you know, I have to think about uh, what do I need in my life in order for me to be doing well? And, um, you know, I am very, I have strong faith. I, uh, part of, I'm actually an Episcopal priest. I have a strong uh, faith community I'm a part of. Um, and I also want to foster that for the people in my flock. So during the pandemic, I put together um, every evening a prayer time on Facebook Live and people come in and they stay connected that way. And uh, we stay connected with each other. We stay connected with, um, you know, the Almighty. And we are, uh, that people are thriving with that, right? But that's just one example of something that we need to be creative and developing. And we really do need to have ways that we are fostering this. And, you know, we've had some emphasis on uh, how uh, sports and physical activity uh, help improve mental health, but studies have also shown that if you have positive relationships with one to five uh, other adults in your life, and children especially need this, positive relationships with one to five adults, 
to, that helps individuals feel safe and secure, connected with one another, and to be of value to the world. Um, those are that's something that we could be educating people about and encouraging people to do. Um, to have times that are, are quiet times, uh, uh, doing um, yoga or um, just having peaceful times uh, where you're just still and quiet and uh, doing some deep breathing and just helping to release the anxiety that you carry within you every day and the stress. Um, you know, we don't really emphasize the need for emotional wellness. Um, we do have some prevention programs around the state that are funded through the um, through Oasis monies. Um, and the, a lot of those prevention programs are out in the schools. They have evidence-based practices they're using to teach students um, about emotional wellness. But we could really harness some of that for everyone in the community to be learning. Yeah. You know, I could, wouldn't it be cool to see public health uh, spots on television during the commercial time, you know, even if it's 60 seconds, uh, take time to breathe, right? Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? I mean, my daughters recently bought me an Apple watch and they programmed it for me to have the breathing uh, uh, app on there. So it reminds me every once in a while I get a message, breathe. Oh, I didn't know I wasn't. <laughs> but uh, to take a minute to do deep breathing, well, that can that can make a world of difference and we don't even realize that. Um, so there's so many ways that we could be encouraging people, I think through a public health campaign of really being able to um, feel a sense of control over themselves and be able to manage the stress that we're all experiencing and taking time out for that. Um, so those are just some of my own personal ideas at this point in time. I long to have a public health campaign around that. I just think that would be awesome <laughs> to be able yeah. to do that and create a language for emotional wellness that we would all be learning and understanding. Um, Absolutely. I, I don't think it's that far-fetched. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. And, and the counties have a role in this, right? I mean, if you step back and think about what the role of a county government is, uh, from a very high level standpoint, it's, you know, serving our community. Every single department within a county government serves the community in some way or another. And uh, this public health campaign that you're talking about around emotional well-being fits perfectly into the mission of what we do as counties. We're trying to make strong communities, yes. right? Uh, great places for all of us to live, work, play, um, that's the mission behind what we all do. So, um, Kathy, I, I just want to thank you for taking some time out of your day to join us on County Conversations. Is there anything to conclude that you want to offer our listeners? Um, or have you or have you hit all the points that you wanted to to talk about today? I just want to encourage everyone that, um, you know, this is uh, something that we together as community can work on. And um I think that we together can improve it and improve our situation. Even without the workforce right now, I think that if we do take a more proactive prevention approach, um, that we could really make a difference with our communities. So I would really thank you, Brian, for inviting me today and uh, 
I always appreciate chatting with you. Great. Well, thank you, Kathy. And for our listeners, again, we're speaking with uh, the Commissioner of Mental Health in Rensselaer County, Kathy Coons. And again, uh, thank you for joining us. Thanks for listening to this episode of County Conversations, brought to you by the New York State Association of Counties. We hope that you will continue to enjoy these county government-focused conversations, so make sure to subscribe to stay up to date.